0: Scientifically, it has been proven that your body runs or plays any form of sport better with experience, not with just training. It's the mind plays about 60% role of the entire game versus the physical. That's why there are so many books that say mind over matter. knew that no matter what the downfall or no matter what the setback was, I had to still get up every other day and train because the end goal was getting to the Olympic Games. There is a future to this. There will be support in the future, etc. That's where I suddenly felt that switch of drive. Because of course I was still hurting from not becoming an Olympian, but that switch in Odisha was really powerful. What's fit girl? Why is it fit girl? Fit girl actually has nothing to do with girls or boys. It's an overall athlete, human development, personality development program. It's about getting kids to be mentally, physically and emotionally
1: fit. Hey, my dear listeners, welcome back. This is Inspire Someone today. With me is yet another inspirer joining us. This Inspirer is special because she is on a mission transforming India. Know why? Just listen to us and you'll figure it out why this Inspirer is so special and what she's up to. An avid runner and author of Run the Ultimate Mind Body Fitness Guidebook. She is a former national champion in the 200 meters category. Aisha's is a story of having a dream of being an Olympian and eventually has transformed to do much, much more bigger than finishing on the podium. It's an absolute joy for me to welcome Aisha on Inspire Someone today. Thanks for joining us, Aisha.
0: Thank you. I'm looking forward to sharing uh, my life's journey with all your listeners.
1: Well, talking about life journey, Aisha, I will definitely start The Princess Who Decided to Become an Athlete.
0: <laughs> yes, uh, that is going to become a book one day. That will be my autobiography for sure. Wow. Where should I start from? I feel like a part of my memory has faded thinking of where I had started off from. But I can remember the fact that I used to be very weak. Although weak is a word I don't like. But that's how the world would have liked or liked to portray me. I was very uh, fragile. I was very emotional. I could cry at the drop of a hat. I was very attached to my mother. I was, well, I was not spoiled, but because I was born with epilepsy and because I had a illness, I think my parents gave me everything that they could in their capacity, which my sister did not get. So surely I've been quite spoiled by my parents. But of course, there were lots of restrictions and over as we grew older, much more restrictions when we went to college and stuff. But definitely I got the easier way out than my sister. So yeah, I was like a little princess, you know, <laughs> I was, uh, when I even decided to do athletics, when it came to some of the harder stuff, it was really hard for me to kind of come to terms with it because I didn't like the idea of doing difficult things. And initially in my career, winning was quite easy. I was winning very quickly into my uh, career at the age of 14 and 15. So that also almost seemed like it came on the platter. Of course, I worked hard for it. Not that I didn't work hard for it, but it it came. It came quite quickly and it came quite easily. And then when things started getting tougher and tougher after my accident, and uh, that was at the age of 19, as things started getting tougher, I was constantly being thrown out of my comfort zone which is something that comes to the being the athlete part from princess to athlete i moved to australia at the age of 24 to train with the most amazing coach mentor friend guide brother father name the relationship that i had with my coach gavin really wonderful human being because of who today i think i call myself fit girl I owe it to him forever. Uh, I'm indebted to him for the training he gave me, which was not just physical on the track or on the field training, but months and months and weeks and weeks of mind training, breaking me down, taking me to places that were unimaginable for me to run in. So I really owe the whole journey of becoming from a princess to an athlete to my coach, Gavin. And I'm sure that books, whenever it is out, is going to be dedicated to him. Because if it wasn't for those four years of staying in Australia, if it wasn't for those hardships, if it wasn't for him who made me see India from a third person's point of view, I don't think today I would be A, fit girl. B, I would not have had started Project Fit Girl because it takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of resilience. And it takes a lot of honesty to do this kind of work, A. And it takes all the the three to also be in a competitive sport, which is also, you know, not just a sport in our country. There's just several things that come with it. So to have that form of resilience is very important. I think my whole life trickles down to the training in Australia, which is why Project Fit Girl was started, which I'm sure we will talk about. Uh, in the next few minutes but yeah, that's my journey I think it's been amazing I would not want it anyway I've had more hardships in my life even though I felt a lot of things came to me easily, my hardships have been pretty grueling and I've struggled a lot emotionally, mentally, physically I never really had a therapist besides Gavin at those four years that I was there besides him, over and above that in my career, I've never had anybody who I could reach out to. So I had to suffer, struggle, silently, listening to a lot of people here and there, going down the wrong line, doing too many things which were not required for me to do. So it almost felt like whatever I am today or whoever I am today has a lot to do with those downfalls, the hardships, very little about my success. Is spoken of i don't think i even have much of success to talk about that's the truth because i don't see success as a thing that gets you ahead it's your failures that bring you forward and i'm really glad for all of those that i've had i wouldn't want it any other way
1: that's a wonderful start aisha i think it looks like you're drawing a lot of your learnings a lot of what you want to do from things that didn't work out well rather than things that worked out well and as an athlete and many of our listeners are not athletes, but they are corporate athletes, right? So, there is a lot of similarities at the same time, a lot of differences between an athlete and a corporate athlete. One thing is as an athlete, how do you prepare to be what you are? And how do you kind of take on the challenges that has come your way?
0: I'll tell you a quote that my coach, former coach Gavin had told me. He said, it takes two years to learn how to be an athlete. It takes two years to learn how to train like an athlete. It takes two years to learn how to compete like an athlete to train or to get or to become an Olympian. Just to and then comes your two years of being at the top or more. Uh, That's almost 10 years of my life or anybody's life, you know yeah when you think of it that's why you see why so many countries are starting their kids from grassroots level as in from a very young age i mean from a very young age They're starting at the age of 10 11 12 and that's why people are starting to show results in about 10 years time because scientifically it has been proven that your body runs or plays any form of sport better with experience not with just training it's the mind plays about 60% role of the entire game versus the physical. That's why the, that's why there are so many books that say Mind Over Matter. Or it takes so many years to get there. That's what it actually takes to be an athlete because the journey is, again, not just physical. The journey is emotional. The journey is mental. Your overall, overall personality, how it has developed through this journey, also speaks a lot about when you're standing at the starting line or when you're standing in a court or on the field. I think every athlete will tell you that it's been years and years of training, hard work, dedication, discipline, determination, resilience, courage, failures, all of that to get to become who they are. So that's what it really takes to become an athlete.
1: So how how do you kind of work on these challenges and still go back to, okay, this is the course that I need to be part of and this is how I overcome those challenges that come my way?
0: See, I was very driven, self-driven actually. There was no other drive that I had, uh, besides getting to the Olympics. So I knew that no matter what the downfall or no matter what the setback was, I had to still get up every other day and train because the end goal was getting to the Olympic Games. So, it's a kind of question I just never know. I, I, I've never learned how to answer correctly because how do you explain motivation to somebody, right? I was so self-motivated. That's why I tell people also that, sure, there are role models to look up to where people find motivation, but I never had that role model, which is why Project Football is so important. I never had that role model who I could look up to and say, I want to be like that person. I was always about, I want to be that person who I will look up to at some point of time. And rightly so today, sometimes I look at my own Instagram page and I'm really inspired. I mean, sounds like vanity, but that's the truth. I look at my life and I think like, wow, look at this person. She is just going all the time. You know, there is no stop button. The drive is not, didn't stop at the Olympics. The drive kept going ahead and ahead. I think that's just me as a person. I'm just driven. I'm very passionate about life. I think life in itself is so beautiful that it has so much to offer. Of course, there were periods when I came into my retirement was when I struggled a lot last year, when I decided to retire from competitive amateur or professional athletics. Of course, you have the veterans category, but it's not the same as uh, when you're running in the open. So that decision was really difficult for me. And I think that's where I mentally crushed. That's where I mentally completely collapsed. Just didn't know how to come to terms with it. Took many months of staying away from the city. I moved to Pune for some time. I just disconnected from everyone. I stopped meeting the people that I really cared about. I moved away from my parents. I moved away from my partner. It was very important for me to regather and re-bring all those emotions back and put it into something else because I don't know any better than giving. It's all about giving for me. Taking is very less in my case. So there were a few people I could talk to who kept saying very good and positive things of the future and what I was doing, etc, etc. There was also Project Pit Girl on the horizon. I mean, Project Pit Girl had picked up great pace just before COVID but it lost its um, pace in these last two and a half years. So I was not driven for it, you know, but I knew deep down in my head that Project Fidgirl is my future. Like I had to do something about it. You know, it's, it's not easy what I'm doing. It's very difficult. Financially, we have no support. Physically, in the terms of having more teachers, it's very difficult because financially, I don't have money to pay them any form of salary. Um, so the program has done well, but there was still something that was just kind of not driving me. And, I think after the uh, the decision to retire last year, almost after a year came this Olympic value education program, which the International Olympic Committee brought to India in collaboration with Abhinav Bindra's foundation. And when I was in that workshop is when I started thinking more and more, because everything they were talking about seemed like what I was already doing with Project work. I thought to myself, you're on the right path. This is it. This is happening. There are people thinking the same way as you. There is a future to this. This, There will be support in the future, etc., etc. And that's where I suddenly felt that switch of drive. Because, of course, I was still hurting from not becoming an Olympian. But that switch in Odisha was really powerful for me where I realized that, okay, you really have to get up and do this again. Like, if that drive to get to the Olympics was... There, like it was up you have to have the same drive for Project Fit Girl because it is it is a passion project really it's not a it's not a time-based project I don't have how many number of children I want to target it's not money based of course money is important I'm not saying I don't need the money I need the money to get to places also today even getting to a place is really expensive paying for your flight tickets your stay your food that isn't easy but I do it because I'm so passionate about it and I want to. that same passion I had for running or wanting to become an Olympian is exactly what I now have for Project Fit Girl and especially being invited recently to Switzerland has actually I think it's slightly changed me as a person to look at a broader and bigger outcome for where Project Fit Girl can be
1: Before that uh, Aisha one piece I'm I'm sure Uh, More than the physical strain, it was the emotional upheaval that you had over the last 12 months. And for a lot of the athletes, where they retire at a far lesser age compared to the official retirement in the corporate world, how difficult it is to kind of come to terms with the fact that, okay, you are no longer there in the professional arena, but you still have a big role to play in terms of contribution, either back to the Sporting community or the larger community? So how how does folks like you do things to embrace this eventuality and still gather from where you have left to contribute back to the community?
0: Organically, I think it's just happened. Um, like I said, I'm very driven and passionate towards life itself. Sport is a part of that life and I always say sports and life go hand in hand. That's what a very important lesson that Gavin taught me that whatever you'll do in your life is exactly what you'll do in your sport and what you'll do in your sport you will do in your life as well. I've seen that everywhere. I've seen that in my own life. I've seen that in people's lives. Observe people who are lazy. Observe people who like to sit with their gadgets all day. Just observe them and then ask them do they want to exercise. No, they don't. Very rarely do you find somebody who's so driven towards their say let's say corporate work or towards their own life it's very difficult so either they are still slightly laid back in their life which is why it's not kind of transpiring into any form of physical fitness activity of course there are different people who have different needs and views and see it differently i'm not saying that it's sport it's, and life is not exactly the same but i think there's a huge connection in that particular uh, aspect so it's something to look back on for me that you asked me how did i keep you know staying involved and wanted to give back to the community is because for me this is life project fit girl and giving back is life because uh, what else do you do right you competed in a sport for 20 25 years what better gift to give the sport than to expand it to grow it and to give the others the joy of running I don't know many athletes who give back to the community, but I definitely know there are some amazing women like P.T. Usha, Ashwini Nachappa, Reeth Abraham, um, Shiny Wilson, uh, Arachita Mistry. These are women who have contributed back to athletics and running in the country in a very positive way. I think those are the women I really admire. Some of them have been my coaches. So it's it's just lovely to know that giving back to sport is a good thing. You know, you don't have to, I mean, there are people who take up other jobs. There are people who look ahead and say, I'm done with the sport. Can't because some people are, it's exhausting to be in the sport. It's not easy. It's not easy being there. Yeah. It's not easy doing this for so many years. I think the last few years of before my retirement, I was also really struggling physically. Mentally, I was so charged up. And I think mentally I have been uh, the toughest Since I came into my 30s, I don't think I have done, I don't think I've been this person even in my 20s, even though physically I was very fit. But the 30s came with a different ball game. Somebody said, oh, you're 30, wait till you come to the 40s. I said, there's a while, there's still a while away. Let me just feel this transformation into my 30s. My recovery got slower. My speed started reducing. I wasn't able to push the way I used to push in my 20s. Uh, things were going, you know, there were lots of hormonal changes, food was changing, I suddenly started disliking a lot of non-veg, like from somebody who used to eat non-veg every day of her life suddenly just transitioned to eating it once or twice a week. So the body was giving me all sorts of signals, you know, of making changes. But the mind was very driven to run. Uh And that's where the coordination, we lost that connect between here and here. Just we lost that connect. And I think that's where I went downhill, kept pushing myself even when I was 34. Had a slip disc, I was bedridden, I didn't know if I'd be able to walk again. It was just, uh, I feel like certain stages in my life have come to tell me that you're not meant to become an Olympian, so just kind of let it go. You know, I was not taking those messages positively. Because I
1: was stubborn. See, in some ways, these are kind of messages coming to you indirectly or hinting to you to do something different. Yeah. Right? And, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And that's yeah.
1: something different transferred to FitGirl. So, we, we have been talking about FitGirl Now is the time to unveil to all <laughs> of our listeners what FitGirl yeah. is all about. What are we up to with this uh, massive project?
0: Yeah. So, FitGirl India is actually my brand. I started this in 2015, kind of very randomly. I do a lot of body double work for actors in Bollywood. So I work with Deepika, Karina, Katrina. I work for a couple of these actresses as a body double. And I was sitting in a vanity van one day and, you know, Karina was shooting inside and I was just really bored. I, I just didn't know what to do. And a few weeks prior to that, there were my friends who were encouraging me to start some fitness channel on YouTube and Instagram. And Instagram was not so big in India that it was quite Facebook oriented. And they said, you should do this. It will inspire people, blah, blah, blah. I said, "Mm, fine. And then that afternoon, I was just sitting and scrolling through my Instagram. And something struck me that we are constantly looking up to women. Indians are constantly looking up to women from outside this country. Where are the women of our own country? And why are we not looking up to them? So I said, I have to do something that will inspire people to work out. I want to be... The person that they look up to and say, this is easy. I can do it. You know, Uh, my whole idea of fit girl has always been targeting the audience that has never exercised. Even today on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you'll see videos that are so simple. Simplicity is key. Firstly, with me, I don't like too much jazz. If it's not simple, it's not going to reach the audience. And I never had a number in mind. Again, I don't play the number game. I personally don't understand numbers. My mathematics was like getting 8 on 100 in school. My principal said, you have to really drop mathematics. Please let your child take economics. You know, I was so bad at maths. Numbers and I just don't go together. So I never started off with the intent of how many people I'll reach out to, who my audience will be. I mean, I just knew I wanted women to exercise. That was the only target that I had. Women who were working women, women who were housewives, women who were housewives and working women with children. What kind of stuff can they do uh, or look up to somebody from their own community? Uh, and that's how Fit Girl India started, you know, in a vanity van.
1: Okay, so turning on Project Fit Girl happened. So, what's your mission coming out of this? You had that aha moment with the vanity van. What do you want to do with... with?
0: Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, Project Fit Girl started in 2017 just as a exercise. I went as a coach to this uh, school at Worley. And a client's son was a fellow with Teach for India. And he said, Aisha, my kids are really, really naughty. I mean, they just don't sit still. Can you come and do some form of exercise with them or some yoga that can kind of just calm calm them down, you know, just to make sure that they're still, they're just not still kids. They're so hyperactive. Uh, I said, yeah, sure. I don't mind. I mean, I was training children around that time. I had a lot of clients uh, that were children. And I'm, I'm pretty good with kids. I can really come down to their level. I feel like a big part of my childhood or even my teens was the fact that I didn't get to live those years. I grew up very quickly. So I really like being a child. I mean, sometimes I'm still a child even now, but I love it because, you know, children come with so much artistry. Uh, there's no viciousness with them. So I was like, I jumped straight in and I said, yeah, I'll come for sure. It started off with one session. It went to two, three, four. And, uh, you know, I thought to myself, you know, this is good. I could target more children in these kind of spaces. I mean, this is where you'll find real talent. This is where kids will not complain because they don't have what children from our, uh, you know, cities have. These are children who really struggle even for certain meals in a day. So from there, I went on to another school, Sai Baba Path, which was at uh, Parel. And then we have another school here in Chamber. So We grew within the schools. And then in 2018, a friend of mine, actually not a friend, she was a really big fan of mine on Instagram. And I happened to meet her in Delhi. Uh, Tina Kapoor works for a really big NGO in Gurgaon called Milan. And she said, Aisha, I've been seeing some of the work you're doing with these kids. Can you come and uh, do it for our NGO, like for the girls of our NGO? I said, yeah, sure. I'd love to. Like the more, the merrier. That's when I started kind of developing a sort of a script. What does the program entail? What should I call it? And since I'm not a very creative person, I just said, oh, Project Fit Girl, because that's, uh, you know, then now people laugh at me. Oh, so cliched. Oh, of course, Fit Girl, the Fit Girl. Then you must name it something different. But I thought to myself, no, actually, Project Fit Girl is a really nice name, you know, like uh, my partner was saying, no, you should call it project, Project Fit Kids. I said, no, it doesn't it doesn't hit the years like project fit girl really hits the year. You know, it makes you realize that, ah, what is this about? What's fit girl? Why is it fit girl? Fit girl actually has nothing to do with girls or boys. Uh, it's an overall athlete, human development, personality development program. It's about getting kids to be mentally, physically, and emotionally fit. So, well, I'm still stuck on this name. I don't think I'm going to change it. But uh, that's where we started off. We started off then going outside Bombay. We went to Uttar Pradesh. We went to Bhopal. We went to Karnataka. Uh, from there on, I got to work with another uh, NGO called Reva Society, which is in Maheshwar, which is again an MP. Got to do some wonderful work with the girls there. I mean, MP and UP are just brilliant states. I just wish the government would invest more time, effort, and money into the girls in these states because they are just wow. When I say wow, I feel like I learned more from them than they learned from me. Just really amazing, resilient girls. So powerful. So strong uh you know, they can actually be your support system. That's the kind of women we want to see in the world. That's the kind of women we want to see in India. We want to see women who will come out and say, we're done with our atrocities. We're done being victims. We're done not being given the opportunity to play sport freely. You know, these girls are doing it. And I am very positive that, Project FitGirl will obviously play a very small role in their life to build their personality.
1: This is not just a fitness transformation. This is a community transformation at scale that is shaping up.
0: That's right. So people often think that, why am I doing this by myself? I have been asked several times, why do you not have a team? Why are there no coaches under you or working with you? I thought to myself that will they understand the principles of this philosophy that I'm trying to set through Project Girl? Maybe that's why people are not funding me yet because, you know, I call myself a social enterprise now, but, uh, I don't think this is an NGO. I mean, I don't think I, well, I think that's a topic for a different day, but I feel like this project or this entire initiative needs to be looked upon as a sports education program. You know? We are building a child's future through just giving them the seed of sport. It's not just, come, I'll teach you how to do a push-up. I, in fact, don't care how they do push-ups. But the girls will go ahead and do the most amazing push-ups. and put some of us to shame. I mean, they're just brilliant kids. Like, I'm sorry, I'm extremely mesmerized when I talk about my kids from UP and NP because they're just, wow. I wouldn't be able to put enough words to describe how Bad. these girls are like i'm waiting to go back but it's definitely giving them confidence the program teaches them self-defense emotional mental physical self-defense not just physical self-defense the program's teaching them how to go inward we're teaching them centering through the practice of yoga the program is teaching them everything about their body because i specialize in alignment and biomechanics So I bring that to the table and I teach that through games and exercises and running because everybody loves running. I mean, girls and boys love running in rural India. I think that's their escape. We do community gatherings. So we teach girls how to come together. We do group work. We give them activities in a group to do together.
1: So Aisha, one key element in everything that you are doing and this is something that you have done pretty much uh, all through your sport, sporting career and outside of that is constantly challenging the comfort zone and coming out of the comfort zone. Are there any specific practices, pre- specific methods that you follow that makes you to kind of be ready when change happens to you that you are ready for the change and you kind of challenge your own status quo?
0: Not when I was younger. I didn't know how to address them. But ever since I had my slip disc issue in 20... So it started in 2020, 2021, it got really bad in January. We healed and recovered for about six, eight months. And then again in 2021, August, I had a massive crash where I was bedridden for two, three months. We were not prepared for that. And coming out of that was very, very difficult. I think definitely one of the hardest things my mind and body have gone through in recent times post my accident when I was 19. I had a similar incident this year in August. It felt like a deja vu, almost like I had 50% of the episode that happened last year. It was exactly the same. I was going down here, I couldn't walk and that's where I was really well prepared for it because I saw it coming. I was the one responsible for it this time actually even last time but then I should not have gone back to it anyway I was responsible for it but I saw it coming and I caught it quite early on so I was very well prepared I knew exactly how to come back slowly slowly and now I'm running again after about three months but yeah it took me many years to understand what it means to be prepping for the comeback or prepping for like a failure I think failure is very important. I just feel like today's generation doesn't know the meaning of failure or doesn't want to acknowledge that failure is not a bad thing. You know, we are starting to teach children in schools, no, don't use the word failure. Say tried and tested or say good effort or something like that. But I've never understood why failure is a bad term. It's not at all bad. So what if you fail? I mean, if there's going to be a number one, there's always going to be a number eight. Number eight is not going to cry and say, oh, I'm eight. I want to be one. Right. If if a track is of eight people, there'll be a winner and a loser. So today, I I also feel mental health is kind of blown a little out of proportion. It's very relevant. It's very real. But in the name of mental health, I think people are going a little ballistic. Like everything doesn't have to be about mental health. Like where where is the resilience? Why are we not teaching our children to be resilient, especially kids in the cities, especially kids who come from very privileged backgrounds? Where is the resilience? You are spoon feeding them. You are mollycoddling them to not acknowledge and accept failure. To me, that's a really important takeaway or a kind of a value to give to children of the next generation. Resilience as a value. You know, sure respect, friendship, excellence, effort, joy of effort. These are great values. But resilience has to be a very important value that we have to teach children.
1: And what are some of the practices that you tell maybe to fit uh, fit girl that this is what you can do to up your resilience quotient?
0: I think my drive. I think that was the most important thing. You have to be driven. No, you have to have a really. Uh, I was highly ambitious. Maybe everyone's not like me, but today we are seeing athletes coming up with really big ambitions. They're resilient to failure. I mean, Bai Chanu, look where she's come. Look how far she's come. Look at a Com. Look at an Abhinav Bindra. started <clears throat> his first Olympic Games on a complete 2000 Sydney Olympics when he was so young. And then look at 2008 in eight years where his mind, body and emotional stability was. So how each person wants it, how bad they want it, their resilience comes from within. Motivation comes from within. I don't think there are segregated tools for that. I think we're trying to give too much of stuff to people to say, ah, these are the tools to learn to be resilient. There are no tools. It's, an inbuilt. it's in your nature. It's also the society around you, how it builds on you. You know, If your society is not resilient enough, how are you going to be resilient? I think I was very fortunate just to have my parents around me all the time. I never had any great friends. I mean, I had friends, but I was not really allowed to hang out. So my my circle of people was always in a positive headspace. My circle of people were always driving me to get to my goals. So I think that made a huge difference, you know. So sure, if you want to say, how can one stay resilient? I think staying in... And around the right people is really important. That's about it. You know, they'll they'll always uplift your dreams. They'll always uplift you. Even if it's not a good day, they'll tell you it's a great day and let's go eat ice cream kind of a thing. So, um, yeah, having the right kind of company is very important.
1: There, there in itself is an answer that the people whom you ha- hang around with is what propels you to kind yeah. of do what you yeah, do. Yeah, I mean,
0: that is that is a way of life also, right? That is a way of life. But uh, I don't feel like there are any specific tools that you can give people, right? Um, Today, sure, you read motivational books. You have a lot of good information out there, stories of people who retired and come back and stories of people who were severely injured and made, made a comeback to sport. Definitely those are motivating enough. But are you motivated enough from within to go out and do something? That's important, right? I've read a thousand autobiographies of athletes in my entire career. Maybe that drove me. But what drove me is the fact that being up and representing my country, that was the only drive. Like when I was younger, I wanted to be in the army because I wanted to serve the Indian flag. When sports came to me, I said, I have to be an Olympian. I have to serve. I have to represent this flag one day. And, uh, Look at what happened last week when I was in Switzerland. I represented the flag at uh, the International Olympic Committee. I mean, what, what better way for your dream to come a full circle? That's why I tell people, dream big. If the universe will bring it around to you. It watches. It watches your hard work. It watches your dedication. It watches your passion. Are you actually doing it because you're passionate? Or are you just doing it because you're some sort of crazy person? And uh wow, I'm so content. I just cannot tell you.
1: It kind of shows that what you're aspiring for need not be in the same trodden path. That's right. It can kind of it can come back to it a different shape and form that you don't anticipate it to happen.
0: I mean this was a hit in my face. Did I ever see mm-hmm. this coming? No. And never. Right. To sit at such a unique institute. Uh, the headquarters of the games that people, billions of people, watch around the world. I think that's big in itself. For me, just seeing the Olympic rings were like, this is it. You made it. Your dream was to be here. It wasn't just to win for India. Your dream was to represent the flag. And today, you represent so many people who don't have the voice to be out there. You know. And I spoke on behalf of all the people I know who are working towards. Young children's sport education upliftment. You know, I was there for all of them. I was there for India that is really starting to show progress in sport.
1: And Aisha, this is a great uh, segment uh, that we are talking about FitGirl Project and what it means to India, what it means to the community around. For all the listeners listening to this particular segment, how can they play a part in this project? What is your call-out action for those folks?
0: Uh, fund me. Get me some sort of money. <laughs> get me uh, support staff. And get me passionate people who want to see children lead better lives. Not just in cities, but across this country. Because the population of adolescent girl children in our country that doesn't get education is shocking. It's the numbers are staggering. Uh, It's unfortunate that we had COVID and we have, we saw the numbers declining even further. I want people who will come out for these children, you know, of course money and all of that comes around within its own self. Money is a means to an end. That's something I've learned. Money will not buy these children the education. Money will not buy these children the happiness. Money will obviously take care of the means to that end. But what will really give these children a life is the the right kind of knowledge. So, if you are a sports educator, uh, if you are somebody who is driven to give a child a personality in the space of sports and uh, you know, just sports and fitness and exercise, then please reach out to me. I'm available on FitGirl India across YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Aisha Billamoria. I would really love if you can come forward. Help me grow the program. You know, there's a lot to do. Uh, yeah, any help is great help.
1: We are getting into the power of three round. The first of the power of three round, Aisha, is what are three routines that is unique to Aisha?
0: I always say my three Ds are the things that drive me every single day. That is discipline, dedication and determination. It's a life value. Those are my routines, actually. If I don't have these three, I'm slightly unstable.
1: Great. I'm sure you love this question. What are three life-changing advice that you have received from Coach Gavin?
0: Oh my God, lots. <laughs> Not just three. Uh, Don't listen to people. Most important, do what your gut tells you. What is the maximum that will happen? You'll fail. What's the worst thing that will happen? You'll die. But you'll die in the pursuit of giving it your 100%. Those are the lines uh, I'll never forget. And one more. I I know this is more than three. He said you could be sitting in a stadium of 50,000 people. You could have all this hoopla around you. Aisha is this, Aisha is that. You could have all this frenzy around you. But when you're standing on the track, only you know how good or bad you are on that particular day. You can fool the whole world, you can't fool yourself. L- important life lesson. I don't think anybody teaches you this.
1: It's so profound, has been. So, Aisha, three advice that you will give to your older self?
0: None. Absolutely none. I think my life has been amazing. No advice. I, I appreciate the way life takes
1: its course. Three hacks that you have picked up as an athlete that our listeners can benefit.
0: Very important, wear the right clothing in the right season. I think people really not getting that part straight. Please don't wear really thick soles while you're running. It doesn't help you get faster. It in fact increases your chances of getting injured even more. I've been there. I've seen that myself on my own self. And third is, uh, please hydrate yourself well. Water is half the battle won. Not your hydration drinks, not your gels, not your protein powders. I mean, sure, I promote all these. But at the end, I don't forget that water is the most important component. As in itself, water is a component that heals everything, be it the mind or the body. Water is what your skin needs. If you don't have enough water, your skin starts getting crumbly that's why people are getting older looking older faster than their age because there's not enough water reaching the biggest organ of your body is your skin so if you're not giving it enough water
1: there you go listeners hydrate yourself more continuing a power of three round three things on your bucket list Aisha Uh,
0: to skydive to bungee jump and uh, I think in my wildest dreams I would like to run a marathon
1: Why wildest dreams? It's a wild
0: dream. Please, I can't. I can barely ride my scooter up to 40 kilometers. Running is a distant dream. (laughs) You're talking to a 400 meter runner. I contemplated going back to some distance running and then I thought to myself, I don't think that's where I will be happy. So I'm going to go back to veterans and compete in the veterans in the 400 meters. But I will not care if I come last because the whole beauty of running for me has always been to just run fast. So whatever I can in my capacity, I still want to run fast and not slow.
1: Interesting response. The last of the power of three <laughs> around Aisha. Three, three book or podcast recommendations.
0: Uh, definitely get my book run. Please, for all novice runners, run. When I started off writing the book, it took me two and a half years to write this book only because I wanted to make sure that people understand it in the simplest form. And the feedback I've got from people who have never run in their life gone out, bought the book, run a 10k. And I was surprised that the book had such a great impact on people. So definitely I recommend my book run. This is not a plugin, but I'm genuinely saying it's a good book. It speaks a lot about food. It speaks a lot about your biomarkers. It speaks a lot about body alignment, biomechanics. And of course, there's a program for a 10k, a 5 and 10k in that as well. Uh, second book is going to be Kathy Freeman's uh, biography. One of the most inspiring books for me When I was at my peak, when I was pretty close to becoming an Olympian, that was a book that I uh, just kind of, it gave me a head rush, like a really good head rush. And I think um, a book that's really on my mind that I want to read is uh, Kobe Bryant. I remember lots of people raving about his book. I mean, his book got more popular after he passed away, actually. And I haven't got my hands on to it yet, but I've heard it's a great book and it's a very, very inspiring. So I think, yeah, these are my three.
1: Aishat, thank you so much. That's the end of the Power of Three round. As we are coming closer to the home run, we'll definitely talk about something that is near and dear to you. Again, fresh from your visit to the Olympics headquarters. So talk us through about what is this Olympic Values project and how are you playing a role in this particular project?
0: Um, The Olympic Value Education Program was uh, brought to India by uh, Mrs. Ambani and Abhinav Bindra's foundation. It's basically teaching the teachers of uh, government schools in, uh, well, of course, in our cities and in rural India teaching them the Olympic values, uh, your values being respect, friendship, oh, respect, friendship, excellence, um, striving for excellence. We have joy of effort. Uh, there are many, uh, but these three, four are the main. And uh, the whole idea is to build a sporting kind of, again, educative system within these schools uh, through these principles. It's not just another PT class. It's about how you inculcate these values into your PT class. So how do you bring about respect? How do you teach children, male and female, boys and girls, how do you teach them to respect each other? Um, How do you introduce the angle of friendship between them through sports and games? How do you teach them how to strive for excellence? Again, I think here resilience plays a really important role in how we teach our children about fair play, you know, how we teach them about uh, respecting each other, no matter failures, no matter gender, no matter their class of where they come from, teaching them that even if you fail, you're still really good at something, you know, because failure is inevitable. But learning to get up and learning to fight back is something that kids need to learn. So the entire program talks about, of course, also inculcating the values of uh, the Olympic Games, bringing about, um, you know, all the history and knowledge about the Olympics, where it started, who are the athletes, where it's now, how it's evolved over time. Um, The entire project, uh, so the entire program teaches um, the physical education teachers of how to put this program into their schools. So, It's not very different from what they're already doing, but it's definitely a step one up than what they are doing. It's fine-tuning the way they train these children in schools. Um, Again, I say this is more like how, you know, IB kids do their studies very differently from kids in ICSC and SSC schools. I think this program challenges the teachers to be more creative. It challenges the teachers to be more productive to be more involved, hands on involved. And I think, you know, we were discussing our Olympic values, just Olympic values, our Olympic values, also just values, you know, life values. It was a very interesting conversation we were having at the headquarters. And we realized they both come together. One is not different from the other. So, you know, I think, This program has really come out at the right time in India where I feel like our children are really not getting the basic values even at home, you know, at the administration level, at a school level. So the program is really introducing this into their curriculum at a regular basis, you know. Um, We're trying to also integrate sport with, say, history or with mathematics. You know, we're trying to make sure that children who don't like sports how do we introduce sports into their life through, say, maths, you know, make it fun, pick up sticks, go run, count one to 50, that kind of stuff. Just make it so enriching for children that they actually come out and say, oh, I like this. I want to play sports, you know. So the at the end, we want all children to have sports in their life. It could be anything. It could be an indigenous sport. It could be a sport like anything, cricket, football, hockey, badminton, just running, you know. So, yeah, it's it's a very... Solid, the foundations are being laid. We're going to grow stronger. Uh, and I'm really, really happy that I get to champion this cause in India.
1: And on that note of the three pillars of what it takes for us to have an extremely, extremely fulfilled life, the three D's, Aisha, thank you so much for being part of the Inspire Someone Today's show. Before we sign off, is there any message that you would want to share with our listeners? Yeah.
0: I want to tell all the listeners that no matter what sport you're playing, no matter what profession you are in, have fun, enjoy it. If you're not enjoying it, you're gonna struggle. It's gonna be a chore. So go out, have fun, have little to no expectations from yourself. I think our cities really consume us with expectations. Go out, give your best. Nobody's perfect. You'll never be perfect. And enjoy your life. You only have one life to live. And life is unpredictable so today is every day and every day is today so live it to the fullest
1: live it to the fullest folks on that note we are signing off from this version of Inspire someone today Aisha, thank you so much for taking time and sharing your life story and life mission with me and my listeners
0: thank you thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure
1: Thank you for listening into today's edition of Inspire Someone Today. It's been a privilege to bring in these conversations. If you like this episode and have any feedback or comments, do mail me at podcast at the rate gmail.com Inspiring someone is like creating ripples around us. If you like what you listen, feel free to share them and let's create ripples of inspiration. Do not forget to follow me on my Instagram handle at the late Inspire Someone Today podcast for all the latest updates. This is Srikanth, your host, signing off, and until next time, keep inspiring.